Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Why, hey there. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder. And today we are going to talk about five hidden procrastination triggers and what to do about them. So we're just going to dive right in today because this is an interesting topic to me. For whatever reason, (laughs) lawyers tend to be procrastinators. And I think you know because we all know lawyers who procrastinate big time. In fact, you probably have a procrastination problem yourself. I know I used to have one. I still sometimes battle procrastination. And the trouble with it is we often think that procrastination occurs because we're just not being disciplined. Maybe you're being lazy, right? Or you just need to develop more self-control. I am here to tell you that's not really true. Procrastination is a symptom, not the actual problem. And the trouble is we're not recognizing that when we think it's just a matter of being more disciplined and less lazy. There is a reason behind why you procrastinate. And if you don't understand and identify that reason, then you're never going to understand what's really going on and you're never going to be able to fix it. So for those of you who often find yourselves in a situation where it's like, oh my God, how did I get this again? Now I have to stay up really late because I have this big deadline and I didn't do it when I should have and I knew I should have last week, but I kept putting it off and yeah, this is for you. I want to help you identify what's really going on, what's the underlying issue, so that you can tackle it head on and stop procrastinating. Now, real quick before we get into the five underlying reasons or hidden reasons, I guess you could say, I'm mostly talking about what's called passive procrastination here. There is such a thing as active procrastination and That is really when you put something off very intentionally with purpose. You have full knowledge that you're procrastinating. You know why you're procrastinating. And you're doing it usually because you know that you're going to work better if you put it off. Now, I know that a lot of lawyers say they do this because they work better under pressure. I will say that honestly, I don't think that's often the case. We like to pretend that's the case. So be careful if you think you're an active procrastinator for good purpose because Putting things off a lot and continually doing it only increases stress and anxiety levels. So you do want to not do that on a regular basis. But where I do see this can be helpful sometimes is when you have a project that you do have to do. It is a priority. It does need to be done. But you just don't like doing it. And so you set it up so that you create momentum by procrastinating because it kind of creates that adrenaline rush that you need to get it done. That sometimes can make sense, but often 
really it doesn't, okay? So be careful not to get caught up in the, well, that's what I'm doing all the time and so it's okay. I want you to listen to the five underlying reasons and really be honest with yourself about what's going on. Because a lot of times what we do is we procrastinate and we don't even know it, right? We don't even realize it until we procrastinated it for a while. And then we look back and go, wow, why did I do that? And what it does is it just creates so much stress and anxiety. Being a lawyer is stressful enough. You don't want to create yet more for yourself. Okay, so one final thing before we move on. The other reason you want to really be careful about procrastination is for legal ethics issues. So I know here in Texas, uh, the Texas Rules of Professional Conduct, the notes specifically talk about procrastination and how you can run afoul of the ethics rules if you are procrastinating. So this is another reason why I want you to get really honest about what's really going on and not think, well... I work better under pressure. I need to create that pressure for myself. Yeah, occasionally that might work, but most of the time, you're really not being terribly honest with yourself about what's really going on. And you really do need to think about what effect and what impact it's having on your day-to-day work and your work product for your clients because it could run afoul of the ethics rules if you are not careful. All right, so let's get right into five hidden causes of procrastination. Number one is being overwhelmed. And we all say this all the time. Oh, I'm just so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I've got too much to do. Overwhelm occurs usually when you've taken on too much and you don't have enough time to fit everything in. And so you just can't deal. And this is when your brain tries to shut everything down. It wants to shut off because you can't do it all, certainly not within the time that you have. And so you have to avoid something, right? Now, typically what happens is that we end up avoiding the biggest thing, the big project looming over us because it's the most overwhelming. It's the most time-consuming. Yet often, it's one of the most important things. And so it's not such a good idea to be putting it off. So there's a couple of things that are going on here. One of them is you don't have boundaries or you may not be enforcing them very well, right? So this is basically when you say yes too much and don't say no enough. And I know this is a problem a lot of lawyers have. We are people pleasers. We do care about what others think of us. I talked about this quite a lot in episode number two. So if you missed it, you may want to go back there because it's important to understand what's really going on. Your brain works in a certain way and it has been trained as a lawyer to be this way as well. So you want to really think about, okay, what are my priorities? And they be really intentional about what you really want to say yes or no to. And I say want very intentionally here. We often feel like we need to say yes or we have to to say yes when we don't because somebody's putting pressure on us. They're making us feel like we need to. Maybe they come to us and say, well, you're so good at this. I just need your help. And they plead, (laughs) right? But sometimes it doesn't make sense for you to say yes. You need to say no. I would say this. You want to make a plan for when to say yes and when to say no. And that's why I say I want you to take a moment and really think about this. What are your priorities? 
When are you saying yes when it's not a priority and you don't need to be saying yes? When you have a plan, it makes it a lot easier to create those boundaries. And I actually have an article on how to say no with ease that I am going to link to in the show notes that can help you out here, okay? So definitely go take a look at that. Now, another thing that's going on is when we get overwhelmed, we often get overwhelmed because there are larger projects looming over us, right? And they feel so darn overwhelming. Break them up. Break them up into smaller tasks. When you're not looking at it from the big picture, it doesn't feel so overwhelming, right? And so there's no reason to think of it in that big sense because you're not going to be able to get all of it done at once anyway. So what you want to do is start breaking it up into smaller chunks. So go to the due date, right, and work backwards from there. And start breaking it up and figuring it out. Okay, well, what's just the one piece I need to get done this week or today? And then use your calendar to schedule time for those smaller tasks. And of course, follow your calendar. Get the tasks done in the time frame that you had planned for it. Finally, don't multitask. Multitasking is not saving you time. It is actually incredibly inefficient. It's task switching. You're going back and forth. You are losing time when you're doing it. And it creates more overwhelm. So stop it. Time block, do not multitask. I actually talk about time blocking, using your calendar, breaking things up in the Life in Law Roadmap. So I highly recommend you grab it. It's a free resource. I will have it down in the show notes as well. Okay, so overwhelms number one. Number two, and this is not probably going to be a surprise because we started to get into this, not prioritizing the right things. You're doing what's simple and easy first, but not necessarily the most important. Urgent takes over your entire day, and so you never get the important stuff done. When you don't prioritize correctly, you end up getting a lot of stuff done that's just not that important, and you end up overly busy and exhausted at the end of the day. So I'm sure you've had one of these days. We've all done this. You come in, you work your butt off. You get to the end of the day and you look back and you realize, well, I didn't really get all that much done, yet I was super busy. What did I do all day? Why am I so exhausted? You focused instead on just busy work and not true priorities. And unfortunately, when you do that, the priorities eventually become urgent And then you're drinking from a fire hose because you've got the priorities that are now urgent that you have to do. And then all that other stuff that you typically do that aren't really priorities, but you feel like they are because you typically do them. Understand your priorities. Start paying really close attention to what's truly a priority for you. Not somebody else, but you, right? Based on what your goals are. Based on what your vision is for your practice your career moving forward, for what your role is. Is it something you need to be doing or can somebody else do it? Is it something you need to delegate? Do you need to say yes, this is where boundaries come into play yet again, or should you say no because it might be somebody else's priority but not yours? Ask yourself when you're looking at the various options that you have, how is this serving me? How is it moving the goalposts forward with respect to my goals, with respect to a big project for a client, things that are clear priorities, right? 
and start asking on a bigger picture, like at the beginning of every week, what's the most important thing for you to be doing this week? What do I need to get done by the end of the week? And then each day, okay, here are my top priorities for the week. And by the way, you should never have more than two to three priorities. If you have more, it's too many. You can't, there's only so much time. You have to choose. Prioritization is about choosing, y'all. Choosing. You got to choose. Otherwise, you're not prioritizing. And so once you have your week's priorities, then you look at, okay, what needs to be done today to get that move forward and done? So you start with kind of a bigger picture, you set your priorities for the week, and then every day you come in and you decide, here's what I need to be doing, and you get it done. So I kind of mentioned this before, but make sure you block off time for your priorities. Use your calendar to schedule time for those tasks related to your priorities that need to get done, and then do it, okay? And if some emergency comes up that truly does trumpet that needs to take precedence, Reschedule that time during that week so that you get it done. This is also one of the steps that I discuss in the Life and Law Roadmap. So definitely download it if you don't have it. All right. The next thing that often leads to procrastination is fear. (laughs) Fear of failure. Fear of being judged. Fear of negative feedback. Fear of not getting enough done. Not being productive enough. Not being efficient. This comes up a lot, at least I see this coming up a lot when it comes to business development, because it's easier not to be rejected than to do something and then have a potential client say no. And for those of you who are in private practice and are needing to develop a book of business, you might want to go back if you haven't already listened to the last episode. It was about 10 client development myths holding you back. I will link to it in the show notes. So the question is, what do you do about fear? (laughs) First, you need to be really, really honest of where it's showing up. So start asking questions and get really curious. Like, what do I worry about? Ask that. What am I worried about? Maybe not identify it as fear because sometimes that can feel too heavy or like too much. But ask, you know, what do I worry might happen or not happen if I go all in and do this? This is especially the case with client development right? What would be disappointing for me? And then I want you to actually ask, okay, so what if it did happen? Then what? This is one of my favorite coaching questions that I don't get to ask often enough, but every time it comes up and I do ask it, it is amazing, the transformation that happens. You turn it around and say, okay, so let's imagine the worst does happen. I work really hard towards something. I put my all in it and I don't get what I want. So what? I'm not going to be dead. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. Ask, what will I have learned? And how could you take that, whatever you've learned, and move forward from it? What I'm talking about here is really taking on a growth-oriented, fail-forward mentality where you don't see success as a destination, but as a journey. Because you're learning as you go and you take what you learn to move forward. If you start seeing things in that light, it's a lot easier to not allow fear to stop you. Now, notice how I said something here. This is really important. You're not going to allow fear to stop you. Doesn't mean you're completely fearless. You still have worries. You still don't love failing. But you're willing to do it anyway. And you don't allow it to stop you. Okay. 
Let's move on to number four. The number four hidden reason why we tend to procrastinate is perfectionism, y'all. Perfectionism, which is a big deal with lawyers. We want to be the best. We are highly competitive and we are told we're supposed to have the answers. Part of this is just who we are and I think what attracts us to the law in the first place. Part of this is how we're trained as lawyers and I get into this quite a bit as well in episode two. So if you haven't listened to it, I do recommend you go back and listen to it. But we often feel like we need to get things perfect. And sometimes we think we're not perfectionists when we are, by the way. So if you say, oh, I just need it just right, that's often code for perfectionism. Perfectionism is fool's gold, y'all. And here's the deal. Because, well, it's fool's gold because it's impossible. Nothing can be perfect. We're certainly not perfect. And we all know this. And yet we still try to hold ourselves to a perfectionist standard. The other problem is it causes you to procrastinate. A 2017 study actually showed that perfectionists are more likely to procrastinate. Imagine why that is. So if you're worried that it won't be perfect, then it's going to make you want to keep putting it off so that you never have to face not being good enough, right? So the question becomes, what can you do about this? Well, number one, give yourself a break. Learn to be kinder to yourself and treat yourself much like you would your kids or your best friend. We don't require them to be perfect, so why require ourselves to be perfect? Also apply this to those who work with you. What I find interesting in a lot of lawyers is they don't hold their good friends, their family members up to perfectionist standards, but they do hold themselves and their team members up to it. And it causes a lot of strife and a lot of stress. The other thing I would say is start identifying those situations where you weren't perfect or the product wasn't perfect, the work wasn't perfect, a mistake was made, and yet it was still okay. You're going to have to go with just good enough. Ask yourself, have I done the best I can given the circumstances and given the time and resources that are available to me. Because yes, there's only so much time in the day. There are only so many resources. And you've got to get stuff done. Another thing, if this is really, really hard for you, that I have found very helpful in a couple of my clients who were real, real perfectionists when they came to me, is start identifying small ways to be imperfect. Okay? And then do it on purpose. So for instance, I had somebody come to me and say, well, I grind over my emails, like just grind over them. And I will go read it 10 times before I I send it out because I want to make sure it's not taken the wrong way. And I'm like, okay, that's too much, right? You're spending way too much time on this. Now, I understand you want the email to look good and some people send emails out way too quickly, but this is overkill. So perhaps you learn to write the email, let it go. Come back to it, read it once, and then send it. And if it's not perfect, it's not perfect. But you've checked over it. You've done your job, right? Also, find ways where you can be imperfect. Like something where you're just mediocre. Accept mediocrity. Here's the truth, y'all. Success 
comes to those who are willing to be mediocre at things. Because you're never going to be the best at everything. Sometimes you may be the best at something and then no longer be because somebody may overtake you. And when you're learning new things and you're challenging yourself, you're definitely not going to be as good at it as you one day will be or as others are. And so those who succeed allow themselves to be mediocre. So identify how you're mediocre at things and how that's helping you. And then also, when you're doing all of this, think about when perfectionism has held you back. Remind yourself how it hurts you as well. Okay? So that was number four. Let's get to the last one, number five. Sometimes we procrastinate because we're just not motivated to do it for whatever reason. Sometimes it's our mood, but usually it's because it's something that we just don't want to do because we don't really enjoy it, and yet we still need to get it done. So this is the one that I think most people think applies when they're procrastinating, and yet often it's not. So it's really important to not just assume this is it and to look at the other four that I've talked about and ensure one or several of those aren't in play before settling in on this one. Because if you think that this is your issue and it's really not, it's one or more of the other issues at hand, you're never going to stop procrastinating because, again, you're not going to be dealing with the real issue at hand. So I definitely want to say that. But sometimes we have to do something that's going to take time that is a priority based on whatever role we're filling or maybe it relates to a big goal that we are motivated but it's a particular task we don't want to do and we can't delegate it and we don't like doing it. And so we're just not motivated. So The question becomes, well, what do you do about that? What do you do when you're just not into it and you don't want to do it? First and foremost, I would say ask if it's a mood. Sometimes we get in weird moods and maybe it's just not for you that day. And if that's the case, maybe putting it off for one day is what you do. But that's probably not going to (laughs) work all that often. So I would hazard a guess that oftentimes it's just something you don't like doing. The other thing I would say is there is a trick. If you are willing to devote just 10 minutes to something, you can knock it out oftentimes a lot quicker than you think. Now, this doesn't work for big looming projects, so make sure you've done your job already and you've broken things up, okay? But if you're looking at something and you're saying, well, I think that's probably going to take a half hour, and I don't want to spend that half hour, but you know what? I'm willing to spend 10 minutes to move the ball forward. Get Just get started on it. A, it gets you into the flow and oftentimes you just get it knocked out and it's a lot easier and you're done with it. And B, If you do choose to quit after 10 minutes, you've at least gotten something started, okay? So that's one of the tricks that you can use. And then the other thing I would say, and I find this works really well for me and a lot of my clients, is try reframing. So reframing is something I actually talk about um, quite a bit in the Life and Law Roadmap. And I've written about it a ton. I may link to a couple of articles or at least one article that talks about it as well in the show notes. But reframing is where if you are looking at something that is stressful or difficult or that you're just not that into, you reframe it into the positive. So maybe you look at, well, what will be the outcome that motivates me, right? Or 
what will I learn from this? Or what skill might be developed? Or if nothing else comes to mind, I'll just be done with it and I won't have to deal with this anymore. And that's pretty darn exciting. Okay, and so you look at it and you reframe it so that you're focusing primarily on that so that it does motivate you to do it regardless of the fact that it's not your favorite thing. Now, caveat to reframing. Reframing is not the same thing as just thinking positive. You're not going to ignore the negatives. You're just going to stop focusing and obsessing over all the things you hate about it or what you don't want to be doing. And instead, you're going to primarily focus in on the good. The other thing is it has to be real. You can't make something up. It's got to be a real reframe. It's got to be a reality, whatever it is that you're reframing into. So it's not going to work if you're trying to make something and, and create a positive out of nothing. All right, so that is it. Those are the five hidden causes of procrastination and how to start overcoming each one. So if you noticed, many, maybe even most, of the issues of the things that we've talked about today behind why you procrastinate really relate to your thoughts and your emotions. There are emotions behind why you procrastinate. And that's a lot of what holds us back in general, right? Whether it's through procrastination or stress that we create for ourselves or something else. Our emotions are created by our thoughts. And it's our thoughts that really either provide us with the courage or the confidence to do something or hold us back from doing the things that we most want. And so it's why I talk about mastering your mindset and mastering how you think and process your thoughts in the life and law roadmap because you can take control of your thoughts and how you process them and when you take control of those it can create much much better results for you and so I know I've mentioned it several times but I'm gonna say it one final time I highly recommend that you download this free resource now if you haven't already it is in the show notes Okay, that is it. I very much hope that not only did you learn something new today, but that you learned something that you're going to implement into your life because it's not going to do you a lot of good if you don't utilize it for yourself. That is it. I will talk with you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.